Welcome to Cinebabble episode 49. That was a much better intro than originally planned. I told you to be better that time. <laughs> uh, I am your host, Ken, and as always, is my interdimensional spacefaring co-host, Clint. Clint, tell this corner of reality hello. Is this my right timeline? Yes. Okay. I think so. I, I was so. confused for a second. I think so. Uh, I we were we were talking before recording about the latest uh, Doctor Strange trailer, which Clint has not seen. No. So I won't dial up the trailer trailer and get it in here, but maybe next time. Yeah. I think this is your slice of of just the the comic book world. I think you'll really enjoy That's what this cool. one is serving. What up. you were saying about it before we started seemed yeah. like it was my it, it uh, really, gateway into the Marvel world. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, or, or whatever that is going to be, where I'm going to figure you out. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna if love you, some comic book movies. If you can do it, let me know because I I'm trying to figure it out myself. Did you catch Eternals yet? I did actually. Oh, and what did you think of Eternals? Uh, I it was okay. <laughs> uh, oh, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to bring it up a couple times, yeah. but I just don't know what to say. Yeah. I, I I was just it, curious what your take on it was. If it you enjoyed was, it at all, or felt it was different, or it was different. Um, I think it was too crammed with yeah. stuff um like other people have said i uh can't say i enjoyed any of the characters very much i don't know there was something about it i just did not gel with you didn't enjoy um, some hayek's two and a half minutes of screen time or angelina jolie yeah. like yeah, i think she's a good actress and like they didn't give her anything to do i also noticed something weird about that movie on my last rewatch of yeah. it because i just watch marvel movies whether they're good or bad that's fine. um they don't use conjunctions. They say oh. that is instead of that's. Huh. And I noticed that it's not coming to me right now, but there's something else where they do the exact same thing. Yeah. And it feels very stilted. I get they're going for like a a more formal old world kind of feel rather than modern English. Yeah. But it it just feels my other problem with it was just I felt like they were kind of jumping through hoops to to explain why they never intervened. Yeah. And like it it never really gelled right with me throughout. Yeah. The, like they never had a really good explanation, even every time somebody would ask them, ask them. So it was just like it felt like they were really trying to write themselves out of like, oh, these super gods have been here the entire time and yeah. just. I haven't done anything. They didn't feel as lived in as I was hoping either. Yeah. I was really hoping that there would be this sense of uh, they've, they've really been around. I think even the original Highlander, I think, did a better job hmm. of that yeah. than this, where it's just you really feel the idea just in the visuals and everything that, that these are people that have lived – you know, hundreds of lifetimes, essentially. Right, and have seen the span of human history yep. pass yep. by. I did enjoy, for the amount of time he was in, the I can't remember the actor's name, but the from uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yes. Um, I thought he was really good. Plays Druig. Yes. Yeah. Um, but again, he was not yeah. given that much to do. Yeah. Um, and the amount of characters didn't bother me. I, th I think yeah. it would have just done them well to really uh, kind of just pick three uh -huh. that it spent a lot of time yeah. with, and the others were a little more... Uh, periphery. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I, I um, it definitely is my lower ring of Marvel movies that I like. But I feel like it's one of those movies that over the next couple of movies and series, they're going to go out of their way to uh, kind of retcon and and make you appreciate in some way, yeah. like they've done with every other Marvel movie that didn't quite connect. It yeah. seems they're always trying to write backwards and and make things more palatable. But, yeah. There were some moments of like in the fight scenes that were kind of captivating, like the yeah. one in the forest where they're uh, fighting the beasties, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Well, Clint, uh, other than Eternals, what you've been watching about this week? Oh, Ken, I got a list here. Ooh, I, I, got, I got a list too. Do you? I do. I've been watching a bunch of new television shows. Okay. Um, a couple that I've meant to bring up, but we've been packed with other things we've been talking about. Okay. Um, so the first one is called Lady Parts. And, and <laughs> it is not what you think it is. All right, because you're going to have to talk to me about this one. <laughs> you would thoroughly enjoy this show. It's on Peacock. Um, okay. And it's um, the little blurb about it is geeky biochemical engineer PhD student Amina Hussein becomes the unlikely lead guitarist of Lady Parts, an all-female Muslim <laughs> punk punk band um, who are trying to get a proper okay. gig. And okay. it is so Scott Pilgrim. Okay. Like, to, like Jenny just kept saying, like, this is very Scott Pilgrim. And what's this on Peacock? It's on Peacock. Okay. And it's, it's just a, it's a British show. It's six parts. And okay. it's really funny. And I think I'm pretty sure they were actually playing. Like, at least they did a really good job of miming that they were. And I think they actually are playing in the show. Right. And it's you, really you funny. Really funny and sweet. Has such a Scott Pilgrim vibe to it. Um, and I think you would really enjoy it. And okay. it's like the perfect amount of it's six episodes and tells a story and uh, it's really sweet and funny. All right. And awesome. uh, the band's called Lady Parts. And so it's not <laughs> it's not like something All you would those clever series <laughs> titlers. I know, but it's really enjoyable. Okay. Um, I was really surprised right. by it. It was on a bunch of people's best of lifts. Okay. So. That was it was a good pitch. I've never even heard of it, but yeah. All right. Um the next thing, I'm gonna speed through these like Kent, you did that's, that one. That's right? what I'm gonna do okay. with mine too. Um, the next thing is Pammy and Tom. Pam and Tom. Oh, on Tommy, Hulu. Yeah. The, um, okay. Yeah, with Lily James as Pam and Sebastian Stan as Tommy mm-hmm. and Seth Rogen and Nick Offerman. Great trailer. I mean, it actually makes two people that I really could care less about. And it does a really good uh, job seem interesting. of making, yeah, I had no interest in them mm-hmm. and their lives, but man, the transformation they do for Lily Tom as, um, Lily James as Pam is amazing. And, um... I guess I was just worrying it would be like grading gratuitous. I mean, is it is, is it that? clever? Is it oh okay. no? Oh, it is not grading, but it is gratuitous. And if you want to see a talking penis, there's definitely that in there. Man, you're really knocking out of the park <laughs> on this one. Clint. But they do a really I, like I've seen like they're like all lashing out and I get like oh this is not true, but it's like so it's outlandish yeah. and it's trying to be outlandish and it's not saying it's this is completely a one hundred percent true story. They're like capturing the feel of the story mm-hmm. and they do a really good job, I think, at like rounding out the characters. Like nope. really, even like um, Seth Rogen as this kind of scoundrel of a guy who steals the porno tape or not porno, but the sex tape that they make. Um, like they do a really good job of making him a full character hmm. and the same with like Pam, like she's great. And like, they show her as like a three dimensional person who's like r- really like, um, battling this coming out and like trying to make a lot out of her career. And, um, I think it's really well done. Like, the first couple episodes get the, like, gratuitous part of it out of the way. And then, like, by, I don't know if it's, like, the fourth or fifth, the, the fourth episode, I think, it's really good. Yeah. Um, and It sounds like almost an HBO series where the first two episodes are uh, almost contractually obliged to titillate. <laughs> and then after that, once they have, you know, a larger audience, then they shift over to intelligent material and just see who sticks around. Yeah, and I'm not saying that the, they're not intelligent, the first ones, but yeah. it 
it, it is definitely with like I mean, it's about a sex tape getting stolen. So it's it plays into the narrative and makes them outlandish because they're outlandish characters. But then they do a really good job of bringing it back down to earth and like. Okay. And it, and it kind of plays into like yeah you think they're they're these comic book or like cartoon characters of and she's like this sex icon but like they bring it back and make her very th- three dimensional it's cool okay um the next one is um a Apple original show called After Party okay have you seen I've, anything I've seen the trailer for it. And it's a murder mystery show, and um, J- uh, Dave Franco plays there. Like it's a high school reunion, and, they, and Dave Franco is like this pop icon, and he throws a like a house party after the thing, and he ends up dead. And so it's all the friends from high school there, and they're getting interviewed for the murder, but it's a Rashomon thing where they're interviewing each one individually, but each one is a different style of movie. So. Um, <laughs> Okay. It's got an amazing cast. So uh, Dave Franco, Lana Glazer from um, Broad City, mm-hmm. Ben Schwartz, Sam Richardson. And Sam Richardson is the first one, and his is like a romantic comedy. And uh, they do uh, like such fun stuff with it. And like mm-hmm. Ben Schwartz, his is a musical. And um, okay, you're doing a really good job of selling me on some things this week. <laughs> I think you would thoroughly enjoy After it. Like, party. yeah, it's really funny, and okay. um, and the mysteries. I must have watched just like a 30 second spot because I didn't get any of that from it. Well, so. they don't really play in that okay. in the, in the trailers, but okay. like once you get into the first one, like, oh, this is clever. They're okay. they're going to do each one as a different style of movie. You uh, you didn't leave me wrong on Schmigadoon <laughs> or. Uh, uh, Ted Lasso. So well, cool. Well, I In think Clint, we trust. I think you enjoy this. This um, always the one. Um, the Steve Martin and Martin Short. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I I so want to get to it. And I actually brought it up one night, and Rachel just does not like Martin Short. I, you brought and that up. Ordered me not to watch it with her in the room. Well, so I was like, okay, I'm thoroughly enjoying this much more than that show. Really? Like, okay. I was not a big fan of that show. Okay. Um, huh. But this is like itching that scratch of like a funny murder mystery show. Yeah. Much more than that did for me. I absolutely love that you just said itching that scratch. Itching that scratch. <laughs> Scratching that itch. Yeah. Um, so finally, my uh, fourth. Wait, finally? So your long list is is four things? Usually I do like two. Go ahead. Okay. I'm, I'm, you're... You're on. Let's hear this. <laughs> well, are you going to blow me out of the water with like 20 things? No. I actually, you know, I had felt bad and guilty about my last long list. So this time I had redefined long as, as five things. Oh. But then you said long and I thought, oh, cool. Mine's going to be short. But nope. Oh. Anyway. Go Sorry. Ahead. I mean, okay. usually I only do like two. Okay. Um, the, another Apple series that just started called Severance. Mm. And um, it started. It's Ben Stiller is directing. I think maybe like half of the episodes, but it's got Adam Scott, Patricia Arquette, Christopher Walken, John Turturro, um, and it's a kind of a really high concept show um, where they work at this office, and when they start, they get a plant and chipped it in or a chip implanted in their head, where it kind of shuts off your outside life. Mm-hmm. So when you're in the office, you don't remember anything outside of the office. And so you're not distracted and you can't like um, like kind of take your work life home with you. Um, but it has a lot of dark uh, undertones to it when when that happens. So you're like kind of like your inside life in the office is, 
trapped there hmm. because it, it, and it never sleeps and it, it's just stuck there working all the time because it does not know its outside life. Okay. And um, Adam Scott is great in it. It has a, the perfect tone of, of like, it's not lighthearted, but it's like kind of slightly comedic. It's not overly dark, um, but it also, I don't know, it just strikes a really interesting tone. And the office is very kind of 70s-ish. Mm-hmm. So it has this kind of throwback feel to it, to it even though it's definitely set in modern times. Okay. Um, but it's a really good like mystery, kind of like what is actually going on in this office. And, and it, it really is slowly building like the um, – kind of dread of mm-hmm. that having this done to you. Now is that one where they're releasing episodes weekly yeah. or okay. Good. Yeah. I cool. really enjoy that. I, Me I too. like that. Uh, I even like when they throw up um kind of a block of episodes and then start weekly. That's yeah. nice too because it gets you a little further into it, gets you a better idea of of kind of the full breadth of of what they're establishing before yeah. they they head into that week after week. It mode. definitely works really well for this one okay. with like the mystery aspect. And um, After Party is doing that too. I, we were behind on that one, so we did get a chunk. But Is it finished yet or is it still? After Party? Yeah. No, there's probably like three more episodes. Okay. If they're doing the 10 that they usually do on Apple. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's what I've been watching. Okay. Uh, my list, uh, starting with with a movie, I, I went to the theater and, and this was – it, it wasn't this week. It was a little while ago. I just totally forgot to mention it. The new Scream, uh-huh. and it's it's garbage. Okay, uh, it's I'm sure going to entertain some people. Yeah, God love you if you love this thing. But uh, oof, it was just convoluted and messy and kind of annoying and kind of smug hmm. and too self aware. And uh, I. <laughs> Does it have it the just, original cast back? It has Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Nev Campbell back. Okay. Um they've been back I think in every sequel. Mm. And this is the this is the fifth. Uh and it even has some um uh kind of uh cameo roles uh for uh Skeet Ulrich and uh oh what's his name that were the original killers. Um he was an SLC punk. I've only seen the first one, and that was anyway. whatever twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but it has them back, uh, not in any way their characters yeah. are still alive or anything like that. But it just it brings them back. That was that was kind of cute. It was fun uh, for somebody, I guess, who was who's watched and loved all the movies, yeah. so far. But it was just it was a little too meta. Uh, if you're a big Scream fan, you'll probably really enjoy it. I'm a very uh, casual fan of the first film and mm. the sequels, you know, take them or leave them. So this one, uh, it was really just an excuse to go and have a little bit of time to myself and eat popcorn. Did you buy the seats next to you? I totally did. That's <laughs> that's my, my COVID ritual is I buy the seat right next to mm-hmm. me so that I don't even have to risk – uh, you know, having somebody right beside me. You should bring like a stuffed like dummy. Yeah. Say, like, and you talk to it the entire time. That would be super weird and creepy. But I like your idea. Okay. I like where your head's at. Uh, then after that, everything else I've been watching, other than what we're going to talk about today, has been series. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched Archive Archive eighty one on Netflix. Okay. Have you seen anything about this? I, I've seen it on there. I've not. It's a solid like three out of five kind of thing. Yeah. It's it's good mm-hmm. and it kept me interested and it, it had enough mysteries to it and, and supernatural goings on yeah. that, that I kept going episode to episode and enjoying it. It uh, it never quite really sealed the deal. Uh-huh. Uh, you could feel it almost trying to do a Lovecraft country kind of thing. Okay. Um, 
but but just never quite uh, I, I don't know what it was it always it always felt like a lesser production hmm. um but it, it was worth watching and uh, I enjoyed being dragged along for it it did some really cool stuff it's hopping between two time periods okay and it did some cool stuff supernaturally connecting some of the characters in those time periods where mm-hmm. they could suddenly talk to each other and is this a dream is this actually happening and hmm. uh you know is this just somebody losing their mind yeah. so uh, it was it was probably worth checking out i i don't know if you would super enjoy it but yeah uh, you know whatever uh the other thing i watched was the first half of the last season of ozark have you uh, watched no, these yet no i have not I have really to good. build myself up for that show. It is definitely one that you should not watch back to back to back. Yeah. Do not binge this thing. No, I can't do uh, that. It's it's too heavy. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really good. It just, as always, um, like the like Breaking Bad before it, it is a a panic attack just <laughs> rolled up in each episode. Yeah. Um, and definitely a a tense and and stressful watch, but uh, I'm really enjoying this season much more than I think I enjoyed season three. I thought season three was good, but uh, a lot of the conflicts felt a little contrived. Mm-hmm. This one feels much more organic, and it feels much more. It feels like much more is at stake, mm-hmm. and knowing it's the last season really plays into that too, because um, you know that that there are certain characters that don't necessarily have plot armor. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're always going to have your kind of Walt Jesse kind of mm-hmm. archetype where you know they're at least going to make it to the end. You know, there are characters like that, but um even that it it has some surprises there. Yeah. I, I'm going to. I that that show just visually is so oppressive to me. Yeah. Like it's all blue and Super washed bleak. out. And it is just like I have to get myself like like okay, I'm going to do this. <laughs> uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I found this show on Netflix, and it's been around for five seasons. Uh, and I had vaguely heard of it, uh, but my son is actually the one that turned me on to it. And I didn't believe him, and didn't believe him, didn't believe him. Finally, he just put an episode on and started it. Uh-huh. It was the first episode of the series, and I laughed so hard. And mm-hmm. it's Kim's Convenience, oh, okay? Which is this? Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Uh, give it a try. It's yeah. it's genuinely uh, there's there's nothing deeper or you know really subversive going on. It's just a really well done sitcom hmm. about this Korean family in Canada that owns this little grocery store. Uh, the parents are, are immigrants and and uh, you know speak in kind of broken English, uh, and they have two adult children. Uh-huh. And it's just about this little family unit and kind of the. Uh, you know, the bridges between and the divides between cultures and understandings and generations. And uh, it's it's got a lot going on. And occasionally it feels too sitcom-y. Yeah. Um, but it's it's good fun. And it's, it's really sharply written. Hmm. And some of the episodes are just killer. Hmm. Uh, genuinely, Rachel and I will watch it and just bust out laughing. That's cool. And they're, they're quick little 20-minute bite-sized yeah. episodes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I started through season one and suddenly a, a week or two later, I was midway through season four. I was <laughs> like, well, how'd that happen? I'll have to check that out because that's like the perfect thing for me and Jenny to yeah. watch together. That's what we and it, it gravitate definitely gets, towards. It, the first season's really good. It definitely gets better than that. Yeah. But even the first episode is a really good encapsulation of the humor style. Mm-hmm. If if you're not mildly enjoying the first episode, yeah. You're probably going to strike out with the series. Okay. Um, like I said, it does get better. Yeah. Uh, like most sitcoms, but by the time it hits season three, season four, 
I'm just having a really good time with it. The other thing I watched is Reacher, which is an Amazon series oh, okay. based on the Jack Reacher books. I have no love of it. And it it looks like this takes the the Tom Cruise adaptation and just makes it a little bigger and lunkier. Yeah. Totally makes it bigger and lunkier, kind of dumber. But the action's <laughs> great. And so, uh, you know, long story short, uh, I, I don't know if it was worth all of the episodes and time invested into it. I had a good time. Has a John Wick kind of feel to it. Yeah. And I, I'm just a sucker for tough guy characters that can walk into a room and then just break everything, including people in that room, <laughs> and walk out without a scratch. You used the right word. The guy looks lunky. Yep. And I just instantly was turned off by it because well, of that. Well, and, and they played at that. And that was yeah. the big criticism of the Tom Cruise adaptation was that the character in the books is supposed to be large and imposing and, and all these things. Mm-hmm. So they played at that. Um, he's not he's not the best actor. Uh, yeah. His supporting cast show him up quite a few times. And you can see like who the secret baddies are and the twist coming a mile and a half away. Yeah. Uh, but again, uh, suddenly when there's action, it it feels as if uh, the the fight choreographer is the most talented person on set. And it's, it's very clear when action breaks <laughs> uh-huh. out, like this is a different series than when yeah. they're just standing around talking because mm-hmm. um, it just suddenly comes alive. Yeah. So uh, is it worth you watching? No. No, no not at all. Uh, and one of the last things I have just finished watching, and I'm not sure if we're going to do an, a bonus episode on it or not, is Peacemaker. Oh, yeah. I uh, finished it, too. I've just had delightful time with. There is something about the way James Gunn takes generally unlikable mm-hmm. uh, ragtag characters and makes you care about them. Yeah. And I I respect that. And it, for, it, it was baffling to me why you would even give the character of Peacemaker from the Suicide Squad an entire series. <laughs> yeah. And even though James Gunn was helming it, I'm just like, I, I cannot imagine that yeah. there's going to be anything to this. And actually, it's a it's a surprisingly fun and funny, uh, weirdly timely um, little little superhero series. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it aggressively mocks superhero cinema and, and kind of – you know what's happened with superheroes in in movies and TV, and so it, it felt like the uh, the angry stepchild, and I enjoyed that yeah. too. Um, by the end, it won me over. Yeah, I I feel like the kind of railing against the superhero thing. Mm-hmm. It was trying to do it a little too hard, like much. Like it was yeah. really forcing that. Just like yeah, we're in the DC universe. Wink. Yeah, but look at us. We're different. Yeah, we're we're not we're not like those Supermen over yeah. there. But by the end, it won me over. It took. I think when you you had mentioned wanting to do a um, kind of like you know, a little special about it. I think so, I had kind of fallen for it before you. Yeah, because it had a little bit of more uphill battle for me because mm-hmm. I just don't like John Cena. Oh, uh, okay. Like, uh, he's kind of, like you said with that, uh, the Reacher, like, yeah. lunky. He's a lunky guy. Yeah. And I just could, but by the end, I, I did enjoy him. I, I don't know if I'm as won over by him as... I'm not going to run yeah. out and see the next John Cena project no. because of this series. Yeah. I think he's perfect for this character because yeah. what the vibe I get from him as just a human being is very similar, like obviously exaggerated yeah, to the yeah, character. But for sure. Um, so, you know, for this character, it worked for me. Yeah. Uh, I do feel like it was it was eight episodes. I feel like they could have done six. Oh, really? Um, I, felt, I felt like it padded a little bit. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. It was a good time. Good music. 
good casting. And, yeah, uh, I didn't. I, I had fun with it by the yeah, end. Yeah. There was enough like sci-fi elements to it that like made it go above and what like it could have been yeah. for me. I don't know. Yeah. So uh, that's that's essentially all I've been watching. Uh, so you ready to dive into our kind of prime features? Well, I, I'm wondering if we should one more time have a little bit of a Mandalorian minute. You're because right. There was a finale. There was a finale. For and it. what a coincidence. I completely forgot it. <laughs> that <laughs> a little might be, preview of might where this saying, is going. Yeah. But I agree. Let's have our uh, last uh, or latest episode of Mandalorian Minute. Mandalorian Minute. Clint, this was the finale. Uh, there were jetpacks yeah. and caravans and babies making decisions <laughs> and rancors. What'd you think of uh, the the last the the finale episode of the Book of Boba Fett? You summed it up pretty well. It was pretty forgettable. <laughs> I um, I was pretty underwhelmed by the end of it. It it felt like my my takeaway by the end of it was I really just wish. That they let the actors make the laser gun noises with yep. their mouths. Because that's how it felt the entire yeah. time. It's just like, and I think you said it, like it felt like a kid with his toys all out on the floor and like playing with his action figures. Yep. This last episode especially. Yeah. And it just like felt like them just throwing everything that they think the fans would want to yeah. see. Like, like, okay, you want you want this now? You want this? Okay, we're going to have... <laughs> yeah. And I, I had... My eyes had to have made a noise when... Um, <laughs> roll. Roll. When Grogu shows up in a, yeah. an X-Wing. Hey, he had to pull that bolt out of that giant <laughs> monster robot. If it wasn't for Grogu pulling that bolt... He had to be there. Because the Mandalorian can't do a little commando roll out of the way. He's got to sit there and hold his hands above his head. Oh, no! So clearly we know that he's going to be around for the long haul and whenever Mandalorian shows up again, the the series, the proper series. Yeah. So it's like we're stuck with him. Yeah. So that instantly has thrown a wrench into any hopes that I had for that show. Um, so, I man, I was so excited about this show, yeah. the first three or whatever episodes, three or four. And, man, I don't think a show has ever lost my interest so quickly, at, like, like, this was a water slide. Uh, yeah. This was like a, a quick trip down to the pool. Yeah. Uh, it, I, 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 in retrospect, because I've thought about this finale a lot, uh -huh. had they done a seven samurai kind of thing where Boba Fett, you know, assembles these bounty hunters to seize power. Uh -huh. uh, and the last shot of the series was the after credit scene where he sits on the throne. Oh, yeah. And it was just about him. And yeah, sure, do the whole he wants to protect Tatooine. But in the last episode, there's this huge buildup to how much we need these townies. Mm -hmm. And literally, <laughs> literally Clint, an Astro van, yeah. a minivan at that, yeah. full of townies yeah. with not great guns. No, no. Show up to draw the attention of some giant spider robots. Mm -hmm. It it just it was it was so small and underwhelming and and even when he went off to get the rancor I'm thinking oh you're going to get your heavily armored ship with giant laser cannons. Right, right. No, the the big fleshy beast. Mhm. Mm 
okay. And even that, uh, you know. That you can't properly control yet. No. But but can you imagine they had already set up the bond between the rider and the Rancor? Yeah. Imagine he gets shot off the top of this thing and, you know, is knocked out and the Rancor thinks he's dead mm. and then flips out. Yeah. Like it would have taken no additional screen time, but it would have been more organic to what they had set up. And that's what I felt like. I felt like they set up all these pieces. Yeah. And they just left them separated. Yeah. And they never connected them in a way that made you care about what was happening. I feel like they do that throughout the, all yeah. of this. Yeah. Like they make up, they like build up all these things and elements to the show and then yep. let, let them hanging there. Yep. And then like, they're like, no, we're going to do this instead. And it's always disappointing and less yep. interesting than what they could have done with it. And if you're going to have Grogu show back up with an X-Wing, have that X-Wing like drop down, annihilate one of those giant spider robots. Yeah. You got an X-Wing. I mean, it just, there were different, and that would have been stupid too. Don't get me wrong. I, but it, it would have <laughs> at least connected. It just, anyway. I, uh, I think it's like done much more harm for me for like even wanting to like I yeah. was already just like going to watch probably the next season of Mandalorian because yeah. it's the man like Star Wars or whatever and like yeah. I somehow I feel like like with you with Marvel like I this is where I feel my obligation like oh I guess yeah. I got to watch this man like this did like so much damage for me even like being there with it i'm really hanging my hat on the Obi-Wan series yeah uh i still have hopes for that but if they if they fumble an Obi-Wan series with you and McGregor. Uh-huh. I'm done. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm probably yeah. just you know, I'm going to be a Star Wars cynic and <laughs> I'm just going to finally accept that whatever Star Wars is now is not what I bought into a long time ago. And it's it's not even giving me like this this finale of Book of Boba Fett should have given me all the nostalgic vibes. Mm -hmm. And I would briefly have a like, oh Rancor. Yeah. And then it would deflate so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, well, especially just, with how they're nailing the look of things. Yeah. Like, that, like, gave me so much hope at the beginning of this series. Like, the, it's like doing all the right things visually. But, like, story-wise, they just cannot do it. Like, they cannot yeah. get it under wraps and, like, figure it out. And this this episode also somehow made blasters possibly the most ineffective things ever. Yeah. <laughs> because I swear that Wookiee was bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. That was stupid. Mm -hmm. And then there's no way to get through the shields, even with fancy, uh, you know, need to deadlift it light sword. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it just, <sighs> Clint, <laughs> Clint, Clint, Clint. Yeah. I, I get that that increases the tension. The, yeah. The shield that you can't get through, but it breaks the Star Wars universe. Right. Like, how is this shield... Not on every ship, every yep. everything. Yeah. And so, okay, you've made a cool idea, but you've now done something that, okay, fast forward to the sequel movies, which take place, you know, 20 years later or whatever. Mm -hmm. They don't have shields like that on anything because mm -hmm. that's a it's a really neat trick. Maybe when you're running away from the First Order, it would be nice if your capital ships had impenetrable Shields. Right. Well, they did that, like in the you know the prequels have the yeah. smaller versions of those. What did the, yeah. I can't remember how they got. Was it just like a lightsaber? They were like, too far away, and yeah. there's just that brief moment with them. Oh, right. Now in the cartoon series, they come back in the Clone Wars, uh -huh. but it's the shields stop uh, lightsabers and uh, blasters, but you could walk through the shield oh, and right. then ignite a uh -huh. lightsaber or fire up close. Kind or something of like a like Dune that. thing, where if yeah. you remove at the right. 
like yeah. Yeah. Well, that's as soon as he pulled the dark saber in this i'm like oh, okay here it yeah, is he's yeah. gonna go through the shield light it cut it mm-hmm. you know but it, it was like the shield also burned them and anyway it, yeah. it just it was an hour of action figures yes. and again if you love this stuff love it i'm glad that that you have taken star wars as your own i just this is not my star wars it just doesn't yeah. I don't know. It just it doesn't feel for all the people who say this is what Star Wars feels like now, the Mandalorian. Woo. It doesn't feel Star Wars to me. It just feels yeah. like a Star Wars toy commercial. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, yeah, I yeah. agree. I don't know. So yeah, that was uh, the very depressing <laughs> Mandalorian minute. All right. Well, today we have uh three movies. We briefly uh toyed with the idea, since two of these movies are from 2016, of doing a 2016 time warp uh back, you know, pre-COVID, but five years doesn't quite feel like it deserves a uh or six years, I guess, doesn't feel like it's quite long enough to deserve a time warp episode. We get time warped in last week if we wanted to. That's <laughs> what could. every what you watching is. Many time warp. So this week we're reviewing the King's Man. Which is the new entry in the Kingsman series? Yeah, I want to make sure I enunciate that to make sure clear it's the third movie, The King's Man, uh, a dark song, and then finally uh, the Greasy Strangler, mm-hmm. um, which I cannot wait to get to. But let's start with the King's Man. This came out last year after many delays. Uh, this is essentially a prequel yeah. to the two Kingsman flicks. It takes place during World War One, uh, a really unrepresented or underrepresented. Uh, time period yeah. in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just about uh, one man who must race against time to stop history's worst tyrants and criminal masterminds as they get together to plot a war that could wipe out millions of people and destroy humanity. Clint, what did you think of? Because for the record, this was your recommendation to watch. <laughs> After Clint, my recommendation of the time warp. Let's just, before we talk about this, I just want to be clear. Normally, movies like this are my fault. Yeah. I say, hey, let's watch G.I. Joe Snake Eyes Origins. Yeah. Clint, what did you think of your recommendation, <laughs> The King's Man? Well, I'm, I'm going to put this. I have not seen the second one. That's probably fine. But yeah, I saw the first. I didn't feel like I was missing anything at all. Um, I saw the first one. Um, I the reason I was kind of mildly interested is, uh, for this one was the World War One setting. Yeah. I thought that was kind of um, fun, and I like Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, um, I think he's great and everything. So I I was like, oh, it can't be that bad. It's got him and like it, it's World War One. There's gonna be some fun stuff it's in there. Cast kind of all around. It's, yeah, it's got some I good mean, character actors in there. I wouldn't say anybody was particularly bad. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I don't know. Just maybe. <laughs> my, oh, I'm just going to jump to just that. out with it, Clint. I, I thought Pull it was trigger. just like it was okay. I yeah. I didn't hate it, but it was like it was just on. Um, in the it was, background. It wasn't like it was in front of me, but there would be large <laughs> portions where like of melodrama where I was just like tuning it out, waiting for them to get to some like kind of element of World War, the setting um, that was more interesting or a fight. Um, I think some of the fight choreog- choreography for it was pretty fun. Like it, it was it had di- two really good action scenes. Yeah, uh, the the fight with Rasputin early yeah. on, and then later on the kind of storming the uh, uh, the final base or whatever. There was there was some solid solid uh, fight. Yeah, scenes there in was there. some like I, I like the kind of 
finesse to mm-hmm. the fights. Like they're they move in a like very dance choreographed way. That's, that's really one interesting. Of the real highlights of the second movie. Okay. It, it does for for better or worse. It has some really good and fun action scenes. Yeah, uh, where they film them so it feels like all one shot. Okay, and you know yeah. it can't possibly be, and you can kind of tell where the 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 cloaks are. But anyway, go on. Yeah, so I think it was a couple good fight sequences like tied together by some melodrama that did not need to be there. Like I just didn't care about the struggle between this father and son of him going to war. And um, I think it was also bogged down by trying to really stick to history too much. Like there was just like, okay, cool. We know the history of World War I now and you stuck – relatively close to it outside of like your own plot devices of this evil scheming group. Um, But I think they were kind of, like I said, bogged down by that, trying to stick too closely to that. What do you think? Crammed inside (laughs) of the, the corpse of the dead Tauntaun shoved in there, shivering, uh-huh. trying to stay warm and survive the whole hot winter. Is this in the Star Wars universe and I didn't no. realize it? It's shoved in that little Tauntaun body, okay, mm-hmm. is is this little shivering husk of a good movie. Yeah. This movie, I, I really genuinely think, would have been great with a couple of small changes that would have had major ripples. Okay. If instead of a large conspiratorial group, yeah. you had Rasputin, and at most, a shadowy head guy. Yep. I hate the shadowy head guy being in shadow, but okay. But if it was just Rasputin or just make Rasputin your just, villain. Just, yeah, man, that was the just, best. He was great. He was, he was so weird good. and creepy and gross. Rasputin and, has so much uh, interesting history yep. around him that you could have made him the big bad. Yep. And then trying to stop him from inter- influencing the Russian oligar- oligarchs. Man, yep. like that's where they should have stopped. Or or start with the large group, and then midway through the movie, he kills them all. Yeah, and he's he just takes power. he's the big bad. Yeah. He seizes power, and he doesn't like the way they're running it, and he's tired of the conspiracy game. He kills everybody, and he just runs with it. That's the first change. The yeah. second change is really simple. Didn't mind the guy's son. Didn't mind the whole thing about I want to go to war. I don't want you to go to war. But the minute he found out his dad is actually at war. End of conflict. Right, right. The whole thing where he figures out his dad is this essentially secret agent. Yeah. And he goes to work with him and they run yeah. their first mission. Loved it. See what Had they're the doing. the same thought. But then all of a sudden, he comes out of that mission. He's like, well, I'm going to war now, dad. What? Wait, what? It was, it was such a backwards move. I know. Didn't you? Don't you notice that you are doing it, but just in a different yeah, way? Yeah. Like you're going to be more like vital doing yep. it this way. And and that 100% made sense to yep. me. And then suddenly after that mission, it was just – it was this very yep. – it was like whiplash mm-hmm. going backwards. And it was just like, what just happened? And it felt like that a lot. After that first reveal, it felt like the Ralph Fiennes character was constantly pulling backwards. Yep. And if you've got an underground bunker and you're doing all this work, and come on. Anyway, uh, those those two changes. And then the third change is very, very simple. Yeah. Never before. I mean, literally <laughs> never before, including the witch and including lamb. Have I ever seen a goat or a lamb become such a deus ex machina? <laughs> okay? I'm not going to spoil why, but there is a goat yeah. in this movie 
that has more of a character arc, yeah, a a more trackable character arc, a more exciting character. I felt arc. more for him than I felt more for yeah, that goat. Me too. Than any other character in yep. this movie. And spoilers right now. I said I wasn't going to spoil it, but just fast forward because for if you're going to like this movie, you're going to like it anyway. This goat is mistreated by the bad guy. I know. He gets a horn lopped off. <sighs> But he's a survivor. His friends are all killed. Right? And he's so traumatized that as soon as he sees somebody new, he fights at him and he wants to kill him. But then he's realizing, wait, maybe this guy. Yeah, he's is, my He's, he's here to do good. Yeah. And this makes sense in my goat world because this guy over here who cut <laughs> off my horn is bad. And oh no, the guy who cut off my horn is going to kill my new friend. I'm going to impale that guy mm-hmm. with the horn he should have taken off. <laughs> He left a job half done. That's right. Yeah. And he died for it. And and so I, uh, it was so stupid. Yeah. But I love that goat so much because I needed to love something at that point. So yeah, it's it's just fine. It's it's fun. There's a half an hour of a fun movie in here. Yeah. But the other hour is so plotting and, and strangely yep. plotted. And, and it just makes bizarre decisions. It really feels like it's trying to do an extraordinary gentleman, mm-hmm. uh, you know, comic kind of thing. Yeah. But much like that movie failed, this makes the exact same flaws. Yeah. I think um, that the the whole, like, narrative of him going off to war, I think it was an excuse just to get on the front lines of yeah. World War One, like to show the trenches yeah. and stuff. And I actually enjoyed that fight sequence out in the middle of No Man's Land. But he didn't have to run off to do that. No. Have him go as as part of the mission and then foolishly get caught up in yeah. something he's not there. Okay. Uh, but then even when he comes back, you know, the fade he meets and everything yeah, that, was just so uh, that contrived. Was, I know. That was and lame. just like we need – and then we have to sit through 15 minutes of grieving and drama. And yeah. I, I, I felt nothing other than why this kid go off to war? He found out his dad was a super spy. Yeah, be a spy. And his dad <laughs> wanted to have him on missions. Like, cool. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. It was fine. It was on in the background. I didn't hate it. I wasn't mad at it. It's just it's one of those movies I get frustrated with because I feel like they have so much more potential. And I don't understand in the course of writing it why those things aren't apparent. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't like I sat around and thought about it. No. As soon as I realized there was a big bad and all these guys, I'm just like, why isn't Rasputin the villain? I mean, right. early on. They kill him halfway and through the, the movie. Well, and especially, not even half, it's a third. Oh, a third, okay. And even once he goes, uh, you know, yep. it's just like, what? The and most first, interesting character. Yeah, he drowns him, and I'm like, nope, not dead. Because that's the whole shtick with, uh, yeah, with Rasputin. Exactly. You can't kill him. And he rises up out of the pool. I'm like, there you go. He's going to be the big bad. Well, especially or with, not. like, they play into that he actually heals his leg. Yeah, yeah. And you can, like, if you're going to play it up, then play it up that, yeah, you can't kill him. And yeah. he he's going to come back multiple times throughout 100%. the show or the movie. Yeah, which almost a lock, stock, smoking barrels, or was it Snatch, where there's the character that just has been shot yeah, so yeah. many times and just doesn't die. <laughs> Uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know that I have many thoughts on it other than, man, just it really felt like a missed opportunity uh, to me. And for sure. I don't know. It could have, again, this felt like it, bigger was better in mm-hmm. their minds and really simpler would have made this a, a much more uh, enjoyable flick. I think bigger in some Parts of it, though. Like, I think it should have been wilder, like the Rasputin we're talking about, 
and um, but simplified, yeah. like you're saying, like it, it just wasn't big enough and too big. I, yeah. I don't know. Well, that was the other problem with killing Rasputin. He's yeah. such a big, over the top yep. character. Like nothing, literally nothing after Rasputin was that tone. Nope. And it felt very unremarkable and ordinary mm-hmm. after you build up this larger than life character. If you're going to do that, like, go all in. Uh, somebody, uh, even even if you weren't originally planning that, the minute you screen test that guy and you see how that character's coming together, you got to change course because it's clear this is this is the the, yeah, the rice, charisma in our movie. Rice iPhone. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, or they could have done something where okay, you could he goes to war earlier on in the mm-hmm. movie, so it's kind of a parallel story thing yeah. where and he's it's building up to where they collide at yeah. some point, and he's like under uncovering like the whole thing is like he goes and he's he rescues that spy who yeah. has the information that they need instead and, of the sun going off to or instead of him being invited into the mission. Yeah. He gets really mad as dad goes off to war. Yeah. And then ends up They're both working on the same yep, thing from different cool. angles. And then like he doesn't die and they come together at the end and like yeah. and it's just like, a whole why didn't you tell me? Right. Exactly. Yeah, well, you know. That could have been if fun. you would have stuck around long <laughs> enough, I would have. <sighs> Again, we just solved your movie for yeah, you. And, Again. and that's I I it's not I don't mean it to be arrogant. It's just one of those things if two guys sitting in uh, a recording room. Not particularly smart guys Not particularly either. smart no. uh, guys can come up with quick fixes to something that that makes plotting easier and, and makes something function better logically. I just I, – I would love to know what happens in Hollywood with these huge budgets and these very talented people where things just spiral off course. Yeah. When it just – uh, and maybe maybe these things aren't obvious. Maybe it's a hindsight thing. You have to see the yeah. finished product before you can think of it. Right. Uh, because I do know movies are made in such, yeah. uh, you know, piecemeal style thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think I'm, uh, you know, these ideas are like the answer to Hollywood. It just, in, in retrospect, it's like, how did you not see something like that? Well, like maybe in the Book of Boba Fett without a song saying Boba Boba Fett. Boba Boba Fett Fett. Did you listen to that? I'm sorry to go back, but I forgot to bring up the end song. They take the theme and like Saturday Night Live it where they put words to it instead of the chants in another language. But they just say his name. Boba Boba Fett. Boba Boba Fett Fett Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Boba. I I couldn't believe it. Anyway, sorry. I must have blocked that out or like was so frustrated and just turned it off. You need to pull it up and just watch the end credits of the finale. For the Boba Boba Fett, <laughs> I I can't exaggerate. This oh stuff. man, the the chanting in that at the end, me and my friend Mike have a like. It sounds exactly like a friend of ours who's a singer songwriter, yep. and every like he's like, "Does this sound familiar to you?" He's <laughs> like, and I was like, "Kind of." He's like, "It sounds like Kenny, right?" <laughs> Our other friend's name is Kenny too, and it, so every time it played, I was just thinking, "Oh, that's that's Kenny." <laughs> All right. Well, our next song is our next song. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Our next movie uh, is a little horror indie from Liam Gavin, and it's called A Dark Song. Mm-hmm. And this is actually last week when we spun Cinetron. 
Greasy Strangler came up. Clint already saw it and was very excited for me to watch it. And so I used this as an opportunity to get Clint to watch a movie I've been trying to get him to watch for a while. Yeah. Uh, we have not talked about it beforehand. I'm actually kind of nervous. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's about this woman named Sophia who rents a house in the middle of nowhere. And she pays a whole bunch of money uh, to uh, to get this guy, Michael Solomon. He's an occultist uh, who she wants uh, to to use his kind of expertise to contact her deceased child. Clint, what did you think of A Dark Song? Um, I am not Uh-oh. exactly on the same page as you. Oh, Glenn, no. But I'm not. I didn't dislike it. Okay. I, I liked it, but I am not. It was not, just fine. You it, liked it fine. I liked it fine. What? What? It wasn't. It was, it have wasn't, I just built it up too much? You may have, Man, or like you were it. saying that it just hit you at the perfect time. Okay. Um, it was dealing with a lot of elements I really liked, and there wasn't anything I particularly didn't enjoy about it. I just I think the pacing was a little too slow okay. for me, even though I like a really slow-paced movie, but I feel like in that time, like there wasn't much of interest to grab me as far as like the characters or mm-hmm. anything. Um and I, I really, I hated the um, uh, Steve Orem as Joseph like oh, so okay. much. Like I just hated how he was manipulating her, and like even like taking advantage of her sexually in the in, like uh, in her lowest point of trying mm-hmm. to make some kind of amends for like the trauma she has with her her lost child, and and that, that was just really despicable to me. And so by the time like he's kind of out of the picture. It, it it just felt like I, I feel like it the end of the movie should have been the halfway point of the movie. Ooh, okay. And I then it could have because I got to a point where um and it was actually right before the reveal of kind of where it goes and how it opens up a little mm-hmm. bit at the end. I thought this would have been a really good reboot of Hellraiser. Oh, you're right. And it then, would have. And then it kind of does that. Like it was really like two minutes later. It was like, oh, they are kind of doing that a little bit. And but I wish that was the halfway point where gotcha. they're tapping into the all these evil things, uh, potential evil things. Where and um, and then they do, and then she has to reckon with it and deal with it. Gotcha. And then it can go into like open up even more to where she is kind of getting what she wants. Hmm. And I think it, it could have done some more interesting, interesting. things that way. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think? I, I, I kind of know, but what for you- me, I watched this very early in quarantine. Okay. And so, uh, you know, literally stuck at home Yeah. and uh, can't go outside, can't see people, all of this. So it really, it, it tapped into this isolation mm-hmm. uh, that we were all dealing with okay. uh, in different ways. And so this this really hit me at a, a very specific time where life was sort of feeling like it was imitating art. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was I was taken with the the performances, the intensity yeah. of the performances because they're very uh, – neither of them are likable. Right. Um, they they seem that way at first, especially mm. him. Yeah. Early on, before he locks into the house, mm-hmm. he seems like a genuinely eh, a little cantankerous, but yeah. just a genuinely decent guy. Uh, that changes once this ritual starts, um, and you really realize that while he may know what he's talking about, be onto some things, uh, he is um, just not a good person. Yeah. 
Um, and so I, I enjoyed the characters in their unlikability, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed the performances. And then I, I guess I just wasn't in the mode of thinking bigger. Uh, I was yeah. in the mode of, of it. I, I was impressed and I enjoyed that it was small. Mm-hmm. Two things there. I was, I was impressed that it stayed small and subtle and almost uh, abstract. I think mm-hmm. that was the big thing because like with Sleep Last Week or, or when we watched that – that was one where I felt like it was it was too on the nose, yeah, and it went too literal, yeah. And sometimes I just I really appreciate when a supernatural story stays Stephen Kingish, yeah, and can't quite you can't grasp on an image or get an idea of what you're going for. Now there is one very specific image at the end of this, which I was say um, I love that, yeah, and that was a I, I love that as an ending, yeah, and I I like that because normally that's the moment in an indie horror movie that I complain they didn't go for it. They walked right up to the line, and I think that still should have been the know. end, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. You're talking about all of the shadowy figures yeah. and all that. That should have been. And I'm, not, I, I'm interested in, in kind of your idea there. I think that would have been a really cool. And I'm not saying go outside it. of the scope of what they were able to yeah. do or set out to do with it. Like, I just think it could have gone a little uh, deeper into that part mm-hmm. of it. Um, I think I was just the whole is he actually able to tap yeah. into this? Is there what, actually a threat leaving the house? Or is that a manipulation? That too. Yeah. And, or is he actually, or he's is he just playing her, playing for her, her money and like whatever he thinks he can get out of her? Yeah. Um, I think that was just drawn out a little too long for my taste. And um, well, and this is also an hour and a half movie. I'm wondering if yeah. as two hour movie and just adding a half an hour into that section you're talking about. Yeah. That may have done the same thing because the it's trick true. with pacing, yeah. when you have an hour and a half movie and you spend an hour on buildup, yes. it does seem like too much time. Yeah. Objectively, an hour is not too much time to spend with that yeah. section. But when all you have then is is that smaller piece at the end, yeah. it feels like too yeah. much time was right. devoted to essentially anticlimactic moments where you know they they always felt on the verge of something, but it was never quite – coming through right right exactly yeah um but the, i mean visually like every, like i wasn't turned off by any aspect like okay. i i did enjoy it and i don't regret watching it or anything okay. i i'm glad you actually told me about it and were excited to show it to me um i, I did i did enjoy I it okay well yeah. i'm glad you didn't hate it no i didn't That's hate what it. i was nervous about but no. i was hoping i was hoping you were like ken wow I'm so sorry <laughs> about this next movie because you handed me gold and and I spit in your face, uh, which brings us to uh, The Greasy Strangler, a movie that Clint has been a little too eager for me to watch. Uh, and so I did a fun thing. I decided I was not going to watch this until the day we were recording. And <laughs> fresh, so put it fresh. I wanted it as fresh as possible. Yeah. Now, I went to D.C. today. Yeah. Uh, we're recording, you know, kind of late afternoon. But I got up this morning early, and it's 7 a.m. Oh, my gosh. For breakfast, Clint, <laughs> I watched Please. The Greasy Strangler. And uh, The Greasy Strangler, let me just read you the description. Ronnie runs a disco walking tour. <laughs> Along with his brow-beaten son, Braden. When an alluring woman... (laughs) In Big Ronnie. 
When an alluring woman named Janet comes to take the tour, it begins a competition between father and son for her attentions. It also brings about the appearance of an oily, slimy, inhuman maniac who stalks the streets at night and strangles the innocent, soon dubbed the Greasy Strangler. Clint, do you mind if I tell you what I thought of the Greasy Strangler? Oh, please go for it. I... I literally, I busted out laughing about 10 minutes in this movie, not because the movie was funny, yeah, but because of the absurdity of me watching this movie over breakfast. Yes. Oh my gosh, 7 o'clock in the morning, I can't imagine that. I, at different times, would just, and maybe that's, honestly, maybe that's the genius of this movie. I laughed a lot during this movie. Oh, good. But it was at the absurdity of sitting and watching whatever was happening on the screen. That's why this I said is, maybe we should watch it together because genuinely. this is that kind of movie. This this is a just uh, no bones about it, vile yeah. <laughs> piece of art. Yes, it's uh, art. And it, it is legitimate art. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's meant I, – I don't think anybody is expected to enjoy this on any sort of traditional front. It knows what it's doing. It knows what it's doing. Yeah. And I I, I hated it. <laughs> I, I really did. I hated this movie like you thought I would. Yeah. At the same time, I kind of admire it. Yes. For producing. It was going after the exact reaction I yep. had to it. And because it was going after the exact reaction I had to it, even though I hated that reaction, mm -hmm. I've got to give it credit. <laughs> For doing exactly what it set out to do. And yeah. ultimately, you know, not to get to whatever about art, but that's what great art does. Great yes. art does not always give you the warm fuzzies. No, it Sometimes elicits a reaction. It elicits a reaction. Yeah. And if that's the reaction it's going after, which is clearly what it's going after, then it's successful art. Yeah. And, and this is this is objectively a great movie, mm -hmm. even though subjectively – I wanted to gouge my <laughs> eyes out and throw something at your face. <laughs> okay, it's on you for watching it at 7 o'clock in the morning. I feel like it enhanced the experience. Okay, okay, okay. But I I think you probably would have the same experience anytime because yeah, I watched yeah. this late at night. I, I, I haven't seen it since then okay. or since it came out. Um, and it was one like me. Saying you gotta watch this thing. That's what happened to me. It yeah. was my brother and and uh, and his ex wife yeah. telling me you gotta watch this. So we all sat down and watched it. And the whole time I'm like, what am I watching? Yeah, yeah. That question the came same, up several times. At the same time, <laughs> like I'm laughing because there's legitimately like not since the '90s have they played with catchphrases in a way it's so successfully. <laughs> Like SNL style, like these catchphrases, they're stuck in my oh, head. And man. anytime I hear, like, hear anyone say certain words, I'm like, I think of the Greasy Strangler. And that it was, it's very successful in that. Um, this is one of those ultimate so bad it's good kind of kind of movies where uh, not that it's it's bad accidentally. I don't mean that. I yes, don't think those no, are no. actually it's not like the so bad it's good. You're not laughing at a movie for being unaware what it is. Right. Again, yeah. this knows what it is. Yeah. It it's it's not a good movie. <laughs> but and it is yet, a good movie. It's like it is a good it, movie. It actually is well written. Like yeah. there's it, there isn't it's not like it's 
asinine in that the story, there's actual a story happening with yeah. these characters. They're ridiculous characters. Yeah. And in that, like, I think it works because they are disgusting characters. They're not playing outside of what they are. They are these awful people. <laughs> and I will say, while the King's Man lost me for entire sections and I was, I was just bored and almost wanting to fast forward to the next yeah. whatever— I can safely say I never felt that with this. <laughs> this thing, um, f- for for whatever it's worth, yeah, I was engaged by this consistently, yeah, from start to greasy credits, and I just, I uh, think the strangler is funny, like, and I think <laughs> him going to the car wash after every single time, like every time it did that, jumps to him in the car wash, <laughs> just screaming, <laughs> is so funny, yeah. yeah. Um, and I will not like. I this is not something I could watch every day. Like I like every six years seems about right. I'm pretty sure I won't watch it again. That, but and that's fair. But I I I I'm don't li- regret having watched it. I'm really glad you recognized it for what it is, and not just like uh, this is awful and this is has no worth. I think it does have worth in a way of like. Like let's push the boundaries of what this is and make these people make people feel something, even if it's. Like just pure vile yeah. and hatred for this. Uh. <laughs> this is this is a movie, honestly, for film fans. Yeah, uh, because again, just like a, an art show is not always or usually for the person walking in off the street. Yeah, it's for somebody who's looking for something different. It's for somebody who's looking for yeah. a point of view and uh, you know a, an artistic voice or or a, a tone or whatever it is. Um, and and this is this is almost like walking into, uh, you know, like a a show, yeah, uh, where you're just like, who is this artist, and and what, where, what is his background, and where is his point of view, and because he has did, a oh very because he has a very clear like sense of the world yeah. that he's in, yeah. Um, I mean, which with what you're saying makes totally sense why Elijah Wood's company put it out. Oh yeah, because sure. it's definitely up their alley yeah. of like looking for the bizarre and things outside of the mainstream. Yep. And yeah, um, yeah, well, and even a lot of the things he's Elijah Wood's been in lately, yep. it's just polished versions of that same kind of mystique. Uh, it's very, it's very unique. Uh, yeah, you can't. Uh, t- <laughs> Well, remember that movie we watched with him, like, what is it, Daddy's? Uh, uh, come to Daddy. Come to Daddy. Yes. Which, um, I'm, it's somebody involved with this wrote that and directed that. Okay. So, and you, there's a definitely a sense, a yep. bit of a sense to that movie, yep. uh, but that is a more polished version of this. Yeah. This really captures, and, and so did that, it, yeah. it captures that, that quirky outsider. Yeah. That person that no matter how hard they try, they're never going to be socially acceptable or somebody that people gravitate to. Mm-hmm. They're they're an alien on this planet, and yes, they have relationships. Yeah, but the relationships they have are with people who are also really quirky or damaged or both or, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And um, I I do think there are there are people in reality. Uh, that that this is just a a exaggerated version of uh-huh. as far as the plot, but there are people like this. Uh, you can go yeah. to Walmart at three a.m. <laughs> yes. and you can meet people like this. Yeah. They exist. Um, and so while it it doesn't make for something that's that's a ton of fun mm-hmm. to watch for an hour and a half or to watch over and over again, it's also tapping into something that's not so absurd that it's not 
grounded somewhere. Right. I think also that if it was just purely being gross, yeah, it would have been like you just could not make it through. Yeah. I think there's genuinely enough comedy mm-hmm. to offset that those yeah. moments um, that it it works, even though those moments are so so gross. And it, it does have. I mean, it it takes a lot of its its cues from Grindhouse and exploitation yeah. flicks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's not an anomaly. No, I it's, mean, it's something where he again. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, I've heard uh, compared to like John Waters films yeah. or something in that yeah. in that vein. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, man, I I'm not mad about this one. Good. Like I, I was <laughs> mad about Annette, uh, but but this one I'm not mad. That it's, one I told you not to watch. Yes, but you led me to believe it was something else. This <laughs> you you set appropriate expectations. Okay. Good. And uh, you know I. I really, I really came at it almost more from an academic standpoint uh-huh. because I came to it as okay. Clint is recommending this, <laughs> but he's also warning me I'm not going to enjoy it. So you know, it already put me in in the mindset of let me look at this as as something and figure right. out what that something is. And I think maybe if people did that with with a lot of indie films, mm-hmm. they would, you know, kind of have a broader palette of things they could enjoy. And and really, like I was saying, realize that enjoying a movie isn't always that warm fuzzy. Yeah. That sometimes you can enjoy something by hating it or you yeah. can enjoy something by seeing, you know, a, a piece of art that's just not your speed, mm-hmm. but that still for an hour and a half did something in your in your brain. Yeah, right. It, sometimes it's just a pure experience yeah. rather than like something that you want to carry with you yeah. for the rest of your life and think about on fondly. Yeah. Like I think this falls into that like man this would be I, I don't there maybe they are doing this but one of those movies where like the room where they're like going mm-hmm. and like playing football in the aisles at like you know in midnight yeah. shows and uh like or um you know they do that kind of stuff. It, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it was just interesting because last week we did three kind of I liked it fine. Yeah, and this week we did the King's Man, which okay, I liked it fine. <laughs> I felt like all four of those movies were a bigger waste of my time, right? Or or a waste of my time ultimately. This again, not going to watch it again. Didn't enjoy it in a traditional fashion, but at no point did I feel like it wasted my time. I mean, I, for sure. I mean, it, since it came out, it's been this touchstone with me and my brother where we can just, like, say, uh, like, <laughs> a line from it. And uh, Oh, I instantly texted two people. Uh, I'll tell you after okay. the show who. Instantly texted two people, and I was just like, watch this movie. You're going to hate it. I'll watch this movie. I did, just like you did. And I guarantee uh, there will be some fun responses from that. Yeah, it's like the so. cinematic ring comedy, yeah. like just yeah. passing it along. Yeah. yeah. So the King's Man, uh, you know, sure, give it a shot. Uh, big dumb fun. Uh, you know, you may fall one way or the other. We kind of shrugged our shoulders. Uh, a dark song I liked much more than Clint, but uh, still a really good kind yeah. of indie horror I didn't flick. Dislike it. Worth checking out. And then the Greasy Strangler. Man, what an experience! Uh, give it a shot if you want to see something you haven't seen before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, next week is episode 50. And for episode 50, Clint and I are going to to answer some feedback and some questions. We're going to have fun with that. Um, 
So I, I think we should still do a Cinetron spin now, but we may not review that Cinetron pick on episode 50. Maybe that's episode 51. We'll figure it out as we go. But uh, let's go ahead and give Cinetron a spin and see what uh, what little uncut gem it gives us this week. <laughs> okay. Maybe uncut gems. Oh, hmm. well, we've both seen that. So. Oh. <laughs> that's a panic attack. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> This is actually a legitimately good movie that I've been meaning to watch. Another round with Mads Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. Oh, the drinking movie yeah. about the alcoholic. Yeah. I have also circled this movie. I haven't watched it cool. yet, but it's it was on uh I forget which year it came out. It was, it was like last recently. year, like two thousand. Uh, it was on best of the year list. Oh yeah. Uh, across the board. This was a uh a pretty talked about movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exciting. I'm I'm up for that. I always love Mads. Me too. And um that one, I remember people were talking about him being uh, overlooked for for awards mm. come awards season. Okay. Um, that was one of those, like, yeah. he got snubbed kind of things. Mm-hmm. So, all right. I I generally have a difficult time with movies about alcoholics. Yeah. Um, I find it just, I don't know, there's just something. It makes me feel despair. Mm. Um, okay. But I, that's that's in general with addiction movies, but yeah, this one I'm excited about. So yeah, there seems like there's an angle to this one cool. where it, I don't know, it's not just purely about addiction in some yeah. way. I don't know. I Have can't... you ever watched Leaving Las Vegas with Nicolas Cage? A long time ago. Yeah, I I watched it a long time ago, and it was up for Best Picture and things. And I, I recognized it was good, but yeah. had a hard time with it, and revisited it. Probably. I guess that would have been 2020. That was one of my uh, okay. quarantine visits. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't think quarantine was the appropriate time to watch <laughs> a movie like that. But it's it's just such a heavy movie. Yeah. And I, I recognize it's great. I recognize the performances are really good. But, man, uh, that movie leaves me feeling just dead inside. Yeah. Um, so I just remember him drinking in a, a hotel room a alone lot. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, Okay. So uh, what was it called again? I already lost Another it. round. Another round. All right. So next week is episode 50. Uh, again, if you want to get any last-minute questions in, feel free to do that. I'm going to send Clint a list, and we'll pick out the best ones. And we're just going to kick back with some waters and have some fun. That sounded way less fun. <laughs> that sounds so lame. Well, we're going to have us. some waters. <laughs> Neither of us are drinkers, so I I might put some lemonade powder in my water, Clint. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll walk right up to that lemonade edge. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's episode 50. Uh, Excited about that. As always, you can find us at cinebabblecast.com. We got a new logo uh, that that Clint put together. Yeah. I'm loving it. It features Cinetron right there and and just two poor saps fighting their way to freedom Mm -hmm. from their. 
Robot Overlord. Uh, but check that out. And then also you can find us at Cinebabble on Instagram. Uh, you can send us comments and questions there. That seems to be the place that we get the most of our kind of feedback and questions. On Instagram? So, on Instagram, yeah, mm. private message. Or people just post things at random on, mm. you know, whatever for the world to see. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> it's it's all free game. Uh, but, yeah, we'll put all those together, and we'll be back next time for Episode 50. Uh, this has been Episode 49 of Cinebabble. Thanks, as always, for listening. I hope you enjoyed. And uh, you keep loving those movies. And you, you, love, you love Boba you- Fett? I'm glad. Good for you. Yeah, I, I wish I could. I, I'm genuinely jealous of it, of yeah. people who enjoy it. So I, I wish I had. So uh, until next week, Clint. Bye, Ken. Bye, Clint. Bye, Clint.